gentlemen, boys and girls, RFU Refugees Podcast. Before we get into our interviews we have scheduled today, we have a uh, this is going this is gonna be a long one. Bring a snack, folks. <laughs> this is something make sure you're hydrated. Tell your tell your uh, close family where you are listening to this podcast in case you disappear. It's important they know where you are so they can find you. Yes. It's that long. Good. We have a uh, interview coming up with uh, King CJ, our DC United's EMLS player. I uh, have some an awesome conversation with him about EMLS, uh, some of the strategies he uses going into games, uh, his rivalry with his brother, who is the Philadelphia Union EMLS player. So we got some uh, some sibling uh, some sibling rivalries uh, going on. So uh, if he's if he's be- losing, can he yank the the Ethernet cable out of the Xbox? Does that work? <laughs> I didn't confirm that. I did ask him if he had any sort of side, like if there's like a side bet if they ever play. Like, is there like a, uh, you know, some some sort of bet they do to to determine to determine that? But uh, sadly, no. He is he is very loving of his brother, except when they're playing FIFA against each other. So, and they have a chance to meet up in the in the final. So, and then uh, John has an interview coming up, um, long interview with Greg Roach. <laughs> Uh, DC 101. Uh, he, he did the interview and he got back to us and he was like, he was like, yeah, that was, that, that went long. <laughs> yeah. My, my, I grew a full beard, uh, in the duration of the time that we, <laughs> we recorded. I think I told him after the podcast that we, we intended for 30 minutes and somehow we ended up with an hour and a half. And to be honest with you, we could have gone about another hour, I think. So, uh, I don't believe this will be his last time on the show and I hope that you guys all enjoy it. Yep, uh, definitely should be a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun having him on. I did not. So you're going to hear me and then you're going to hear John. I, we were not able to to sync up our schedules in order to, to join. Divide and conquer, baby. This is this is why we have multiple <laughs> hosts. We can do more. We can be everywhere all at once. Yep. So uh, first up, you're going to hear the interview with King CJ uh, and then you will hear the interview with Greg Roach. So definitely stick around for both of those. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to our Thursday edition of the RFQ Refugees podcast. Ted here. John is uh, has vanished into the void. Uh, instead, joining me is uh, none other than DC United's EMLS player. He has a huge tournament coming up for the EMLS Cup. King CJ. King uh, King CJ. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. My name is Mohammed Al Yundiop, and I am a professional FIFA player for DC United. Yes, yes, you are. So uh, let, let's start, man. You got uh, the EMLS Cup coming up. Now, I know, I know I've know, i done a little research on how the format works. I know it's like they're different series, and then at sort of the end, there's kind of like a qualification. I think they just had sort of the last chance qualification. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you qualified right away. Uh, so h- how are you feeling about the the – this is like the, the – the big tournament, right? This is like the if you win this, like you're the you're the you're the champion of everything. Yep. Is that right? Is that how that works? <laughs> mm, kind of, yeah. So we had two tournaments. So leading up to this EMS Cup, we had EMS League Series One and EMS League Series Two, where basically the every MLS gamer for each of, of the clubs are basically going against each other. Um Inter Miami versus DC United, DC United versus New York Red Bulls, DC United versus Colorado Rapids. If you play every club, and at the end of the of the series, um, League Series One, they basically have a, a standing where the top eight is decided. Then you have the the live stream portion, and same thing repeats on uh, League Series Two. You don't play the teams twice; you only play them once. And then that's the regular season done. And once the regular season is done, you have a 
this final standing where the top 11 qualify for the EMS Cup. And here we are today. Yeah, so talk a little bit. Um, I think this is your either your second. I know I know you, you either your second or your first season with uh, with DC United. Talk a little bit. How how does one like get recognized and 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 sign with these clubs? Is there like a, a tournament? Do you get contacted by somebody? How does all how does all this work? I, I'm I'm very curious about that aspect. Mm, so what happened? This is my second year. So last year was my rookie year. So. In order to get signed, I had to participate in a in a local tournament hosted by the DC United. So I went there, had fun, enjoyed, played the tournament, managed to play second place, and little did I know, I was uh, I was contacted back um, a week after, and they wanted like to host a, an interview, ask me questions about my history, about FIFA, how I got into it all the basic stuff and sooner rather than later i got uh i got signed as their second pro emos gamer that's right how, how did and how did you get into how did you get into fifa was it just something you just grew up with or or what what was the or did you buy it one day and say hey i like this let's do it um so growing up i am a, an avid soccer fan i watch it religiously uh i myself support Manchester united I watch them every single week. I don't miss a single game. If I do, I really have something else to do. Otherwise, <laughs> I never miss a game. So I got into FIFA thanks to my love for the beautiful game. And that's what I translate on the virtual pitch. I have an older brother. He also plays in the MLS for Philadelphia Union. And we, we both basically started playing at the same time. And since he's older, he just passed me the control and like I just got into it with him <laughs> so what so so how does the how does the smack talk begin I you probably had some bragging rights after the the last series too oh, the definitely. fact you made the final oh, <laughs> no but he I I remember watching the stream and he seemed really supportive when you uh when you won your games uh you, you had a you had a moment uh I think where you you I'll call it your your Bill Hamid moment uh, we'll call it that when you uh, when, when you were young. Let's go. Yeah. I I I think it could maybe if you if you had said you can't hold me back. I think that would have been uh, <laughs> maybe a little more appropriate. You could have pulled something like that. But uh, but yeah, no that that was that was tons of fun. And uh, congrats on making the final. Uh, there there was a bit of controversy in that final. I think there was some mm -hmm. issues with. Uh, looked like there was some lag. They had to kind of reset things. Yeah. And you were you were uh, you were talking. You say you have a coach. I think you talked to on the phone. Yeah. Who, who's the mystery coach? Can you uh, can you tell us or do you, do you um, not? Are you not able to divulge that? <laughs> um, it's not really. A, he's not really a coach. He's like he's one of my best friends in the scene. His name is Ajit Power. He's like ranked thirty in North America. So he was watching my game and. He was basically giving me tips, trying to calm me down because he knew I was heated after what was happening. And props to him for for doing that because I kind of lost lost my my cool a bit on that situation. I mean, I got it's got to be fright. You score a goal. I think you were behind at that point. You got you kind of got yourself back into the the final, mm -hmm. and then to find out is not it's it's almost like a, a virtual VAR ruling exactly. kind of coming. <laughs> exactly, perfectly described. Talk a little bit about sort of the format. How you know maybe someone who isn't familiar who who 
I know maybe there's certain people in the generation that look at this and say, you know, EMLS, what, you know, what is this? Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about, you know, how does the roster construct? Is there, you know, I, I watched some of the last series too. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of, a lot of similar players, but some different players. Mm-hmm. Is there, is it, is it get to the point where a lot of people are using the same players? Are there, do you see a player that's sort of listed out there and you're like, well, I can use this player to counteract them. Like what goes into sort of constructing your, constructing your roster for these, uh, for these tournaments? So uh, let me go, let me touch on the format a bit. So like I said, every MLS team has a EMLS player, a designated EMLS player. So there's 27 teams in the league. I know this is more in real life, but there's only 27 in EMLS. And each team has a professional gamer who participates in the EMLS. So like I said, in League Series 1, we all played our games. And at the end, we had a top eight. And that top eight consisted of numerous, numerous players. There was the reigning EMLS champ, Georgia Damo, um, the the winner, Diddy Chris Lito. So a lot of household names qualified. Uh, which is understandable. And that wasn't the first time I qualified for my own broadcast. And League Series 2, the same thing, top eight, and then uh, we went out for there. So regarding the rosters, um, you basically pick your roster before the tournament. So you have the, the choice of picking whoever you want. Um, the rules are you need to have five MLS players on the, on the pitch at all times. If you take out an MLS player, another MLS player needs to come in. And you're allowed two icons, whether that's Ronaldo Nassario, the Brazilian striker, Rude Hullet, Patrick Vieira, whoever you choose. And the rest is like the regular players, like the Neymar, the Cristiano Ronaldo's, the Mbappe's, and all that stuff. So most people go for the same players, the best players, the best player in the game. For me, it's R9, Hullet, Vieira. So you normally face one of those in the team, and then the MLS players are the same. The, the best cards available in MLS this year on FIFA 21 are obviously Opara, Icopara, um, Aaron Long, Lima, Dos Santos, Dam. Those are the players that are like the highest rated. Of course, I would like to use the DC United players if they got like released special cards. But if I was to use them, I would be at a disadvantage to my competitors. I, I got to admit, that's probably got to be a, a hard thing, I guess, uh, considering the, the position of the league. Mm-hmm. And, and I know a little bit about how those ultimate team card works. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this, these aren't rosters you build. You're, you're sort of given these. You you can sort of pick it. And mm-hmm. I guess you get, like, special permission. You don't have to spend, you know, yep. millions of, of FIFA points to, yep. to buy the cards. <laughs> the players are already there. You just pick your team and go on and play. Simple as that. So uh, how how many hours do you log in FIFA? If you had to if you had to put a number on it, what's the what's the what's the time? What's the uh, amount of time? Um, if I put a number on it, I balance between. I'm a full time student at the same time I play FIFA. So when I'm done with class, I try to like clock in and play a few games versus other pros in the, in the US, just in order like to keep my level, practice, you know, keep those finger warm, like they say. And yeah, so if I had to put a number on it, I'd say at least an hour or two per day, every day, hour or two, hour or two. But the weekend, 
I have to play weekend league. Sometimes there's online qualifiers. So we can really go up to like five to six to seven hours in the weekend. Jeez, yeah. So that's a it's a lot of a lot of practice. Yep. Well, uh, since, since I have someone here who plays FIFA a lot, and uh, I, I do keep up, I, I I did not buy this year's version, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I, I usually try to buy it every year. Um, I was debating on which new console to get, so I ended up waiting uh, because of the the new gen. Mm-hmm. What what has been your opinion of the of the game as a whole? And I, I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> but give me give me some of your thoughts on on what you think of uh, of FIFA twenty one. Um, it's a very fast paced game, very direct game. Favorizes the people who are, abuses mechanics rather than. Uh, promoting the the beautiful game, as you call it. Um, The players who decide to play intricate FIFA, well-calculated FIFA, aren't specifically rewarded for their attributes. So it's a kind of a weird one, but as every professional, you need to adapt and overcome whatever game they release. So if I had to to summarize it, that's how I would say it. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, good. Yeah, I like the di- I like the I like the diplomacy there on that. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm still mad like career mode for FIFA mm-hmm. for MLS is so like bad. I hate it. It's like yeah. I wish that they could just get the rules right because mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like I'm just managing like a championship club in MLS basically. <laughs> is like how it works. I'm like, that's true. Give me give give me the give me the general allocation money. Allow me to trade. Give me, allow me to trade for allocation spots. I want to do like a game where all I do is I just trade for draft picks and allocation money. I just swap allocation money. Mm -hmm. Don't do any players. So Um, that would be nice. They would like a specific mode where you follow exactly the MLS rules, trading players, the draft. That would be something interesting to see, honestly. Yeah, man, it's 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 realism. It's realism. Mm -hmm. Um, It's some something I've I've always been frustrated Mm -hmm. with FIFA, but. Uh, overall, still still an incredibly fun game. Um, so uh, let, I want to talk a little bit your uh, sort of your strategy going in. Like what what type of style? I, I know you said a lot of people use the same rosters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know they were talking sort of. It seemed like during the last league two, you kind of switched up your strategies a little bit from like mm-hmm. game to game. Is there a like? Do you look at like who the opposing player is? Do you make changes on the fly? How do you how do you try to count like what what do you view when you when you're going against the opponent? How do you counteract uh, sort of uh, what what someone else is playing and how and how to how to sort of counteract against that? So the team basically, I have a team set up to play a four four two, flat for back line, flat midfield, two strikers up top, traditional two strikers going for it, going for goals. Um, I switched my play style a lot this year. I am more and more like offensive minded. Before I used to be like, since it was the first year, rookie mistakes, you go in a bit timid, scared. You don't want to like go guns blazing and then lose frustrated and stuff. So those are like stuff that I corrected this year. And I understood that I need to just go for it. Whoever you're playing, you can play the world champion. At the end of the day, it's all decided on the pitch. So that's one thing I made sure of. And for that league series especially, the meta of the game was a bit unbalanced. Some people were playing five at the back, which was a a very annoying formation to play in a counter. So the only way 
I, the way I saw it was if I can't play my four four two, I have to match him in a five back and we both are gonna counteract each other. We both have the same formation and I think that at the end of the day the best player is gonna win when they use the same formation. That's what I truly believe. What uh so what do what do you think sort of your future? I mean, do you see yourself like just, you know, keeping this up for like the rest of your, you know, the rest of your life or uh I mean, what do you uh what do you sort of see as the future of sort of on of of esports gaming? It's becoming uh, an, an a fast trend and leagues are jumping on it um, mm-hmm. you know, all over the world. So, I, I see no reason why. I remember there was just like the Club World Cup and that was it mm-hmm. or the e-world cup or whatever they had that's all they had and it was like a tournament hosted by fifa mm-hmm. and it's grown into this massive operation so what do you sort of see as sort of the future of of esports gaming um honestly from here you'll you'd say that fifa is only going to keep growing and growing there's a lot of youngsters coming in talented youngsters absolutely incredible at the game um so You'd only guess that more and more people are going to get into it. There'll be more money involved, a lot more at stake. So you just see a, a straight path like going to the sky, as they say, and you do not see it slowing down anytime soon. Are you uh, are you excited once the uh, – I know the pandemic, they used to do the tournaments kind of like with a huge group of people mm-hmm. with, you know, I think they had events. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was quite a show. Now it's all virtual. Are you looking forward to kind of the return of sort of the the events and everything, uh, being able to travel and get out of that, get out of the house, so to speak? One hundred and ten percent. Like EMLS, what makes it EMLS is the fact that you get to meet the other players. You get to play at a specific location. Like last year, we played it in Portland and in Philadelphia. We went to the Portland same the Portland Stadium. We we met we played on the Portland field, which is an experience that not everyone gets to experience. So, those are the type of um, chances you get, lifetime opportunities, as not everyone gets to play on that pitch. So, hundred percent, I would love it to go back to the to the way it was, because meeting everyone is just a lot more fun than sitting in your own room and focusing. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask. So, so uh, I'm going a little off the rails here, but you got your uh, your is your brother participating? I didn't look to see if your brother was participating in the MLS Cup. He is. He is. He is. So, uh, so who who uh, who's gonna have the upper hand if you all meet? What what do y'all? How do y'all uh, work that out? Fun, as far as who? <laughs> fun fun fact is, I start in the quarterfinal, and if he wins his first game, we meet in the quarterfinal. So. <laughs> If if he wins his first game versus LA Galaxy, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to play him in the quarterfinals. <laughs> so let's just say that if that happens, we're not brothers anymore for for a good <laughs> thirty minutes. What's the y- y- y'all talk about a side? You got you got something on the side, a little uh, a little uh, a little action maybe. If whoever loses has to. Uh, I don't know. Do uh, do chores for the rest of the night, or uh, what? What do you got? What you got going on? No, we don't have that going on. But the most annoying part when both siblings are doing something you're good at is they mostly talk trash. And the trash talking, you always want the upper hand. Saying you can say all of that, but I won this game. Like you know, <laughs> if you have a sibling, you can relate to that feeling. So 
hundred percent. I just, I just want to keep it going. I just want to bring the cup home back to the district. That's what I want, and I am dedicated to do that. Yeah. So, are you a? Were you a fan of the team before? Because uh, I know you live in uh, New Jersey, I believe. Is that right? I'm studying in New Jersey, but I live in okay. Maryland. Yeah. So I want I want to talk some some real DC with you. Okay. Uh, we got we got the season coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I know you probably you pay attention. You watch the game a lot. Are you uh, are you feeling the the Hernan Lasada? Are you feeling him as a coach, or what do you uh, what do you think so far about this upcoming season? It's I'm excited. I'm excited because Ben Olsen's been there for a minute. It didn't work out for him, unfortunately. A club legend, of course. And now we have this new face, this new brand, if I can say, where we have an overseas coach coming in. No one, no one really knows what he has in the back pocket. So we kind of have that X factor, and I'm really looking forward to see what he has to bring. Who's your uh, who, Who's your player you're going to be watching this year from DC? Player I'm going to be watching. I mean, there's a lot of uh, new faces, but I am saying. This year is going to be the biggest year for my boy, Kevin Paredes. He's going to tear it up. He's going to tear it up. Watch this space. Watch this space. All right, we will. We will certainly. All right, Mohammed. thank you so, so much for joining us. Mm-hmm. Uh, best of luck. Tell people, like, I know you've got, you've got a Twitch channel. You've got Twitter. Tell people where they can find you if they want to mm-hmm. learn how to be, be a, a pro like you. So I I'll occasionally stream on Twitch. So you can catch me on twitch.tv forward slash kingcjo double underscore. And my app on Twitter and Instagram are the same. It's at kingcjo. And if you have any questions, make sure to send them my way because I see most DMs. So just send them my way and I'll be, I'll gladly answer your questions. We might have to we might have to set up a FIFA match. You probably beat me and and John pretty badly, but that might be, that might be some content we we explore in the future. Definitely, definitely, it would be interesting. It would definitely be interesting. It would be interesting. You'd probably beat us like six, seven, one. No, nah, I, like. I, I keep it. I keep it polite. I keep it polite. I keep it polite. Uh huh. He says that now. All right. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, stick around, everybody. Uh, John has a special interview with uh, Greg Roach from DC One Hundred One. You don't want to miss that. Coming up, you're listening to the RFK Refugees Podcast. Hey folks, if you're like me, you love getting things early. Whether it's early access to games, movies, TV shows, what have you, we all like to get things early. Well, RFK Refugees listeners who subscribe on Patreon get early access to all RFK Refugees content. And maybe some hidden content that you weren't aware of. Just go to patreon.com slash RFK Refugees and you get access to your own private RSS feed where we upload our audio. So check it out. Patreon.com slash RFK Refugees. Now back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you would normally be hearing Ted speak, but instead you're hearing John speak and you're seeing me speak. So I just wanted to uh, apologize for that ahead of time. Uh, I wanted to also introduce to you our guest. You've asked for him uh, a couple times. Numerous people have said, why has Roach not been on the show? And, you know, I don't really have a good answer for that. So I'm going to remedy that and and say thank you, uh, Greg Roach, for joining us today on uh, on RFK Refugees. Yeah, no problem. I, I told my wife that I was going to be guesting on a podcast, and she goes, "Oh, that's great." And I was like, "Yeah, I wish people would actually like listen to my podcast." But uh, <laughs> apparently, people are people do demand to have me on. Just wish they were demanding my own podcast. So, but it's it's great to be on, and thank you, John, for having me. I understand. So I feel like if 
if you're listening to our podcast, you probably know him from a numerous places. The Radio Dial. The only radio station you're probably listening to if you're still listening to Terrestrial Radio. It's probably DC 101. Uh, the you have you, you have four active podcasts right now. Is that is that a correct number? Ish. Yeah. Four, uh, four, four is their number. Yeah. I had to cut them off in my head. Four podcasts. It's a lot of podcasts. Um, the most recent one I noticed that you had is a a Pearl Jam specific podcast, and I was wondering, are you familiar with the uh, "Are you talking you two to me" uh, genre of music podcasts that are on your wolf? No, no. Yours, I think you're you're probably approaching it from a more. Uh, uh, <laughs> they're they're doing it a little bit more, I think, uh, ironically or tongue in cheek. But I'm glad to know that there's specific uh, band podcasts that really have a you know an opportunity and audience. So I'm glad that you're I'm glad that you're out there doing it. I'm writing it down because. Uh... As soon as we're done, I'm going to check that out. So Pitch Pass, a, a, a DC United staple. I think for me, it was you guys, United Mania, were the, were the, were the two OGs sort of in this space. Uh, and they always made sure to listen uh, to to both of you. Uh, and then also Capital Soccer Show, right. a, a, a legend in its own right. I think that that's certainly, I, I remember listening to that on the uh, on the train rides home and the commutes. And I have a number, so I basically, I, 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 put, the, I put the call out and I said, I'm finally Roach the finally on the show. I need I need your questions. And Capital Soccer Show, wouldn't you know it, was the uh, one through five of most most asked questions. So yeah. I want to I want to sort of start with that quickly, yeah. understanding that you've got an active DC United podcast, but one that is now defunct. Tell us the tale of how uh, Capital Soccer Show came about, and then also more specifically uh, how it came to be no longer. Well, I lo- first of all, I love that people still remember that. I, I guess we're I, I was as you were asking the question, I'm like. Are we the, was Capital Soccer Show the freaks and geeks of <laughs> DC United podcast? We only did one season of it, and uh, here we are over 10 years later, around 10 oh years my God. later. Oh, and boy, people are still bringing up Capital Soccer Show, which I take a lot of pride in because that that means that we that we nailed it, which was good. Um, listen, the that show was the brainchild of Kyle Sheldon. And so that, exactly. And as soon as, as soon as I say Kyle Sheldon, everybody's like, yep, yep, yep. Of course, of course. Uh, he is so missed uh, throughout the club and the organization, and especially among the fan base. I don't think Chicago fire supporters realize what they have in Kyle, but DC United fans sure do. So I had, I think I had done pitch pass maybe four or five episodes. Uh, the, the initial episode of Pitch Pass I did was with Brian Namoff, and he just come into the studio and just as kind of like, hey, players making around to get people pumped up for the beginning of the season. Do you want to have somebody come in? And I said, yes, obviously, I'm a big DC United fan. And so Namoff came in, and that was, the, for me, that was the genesis of this could be something that could be a thing. This is like 2008-ish, so I feel like we were ahead of the curve. Uh, and then we missed the wave, and now we're out paddling around <laughs> again. So... We had done a few episodes of that and I stopped. And I, I, I know Kyle in the back of his head thought to himself, this is really cool. This is a guy on a radio station that has got a good crossover listenership with uh, DC United supporters. He, he definitely filed that away. And then, so when he brought in Sebi to work as a writer on dcunited.com, man, that was an all-star lineup. Wow. I'm thinking back to it. Um, when he brought on Sebi, I, this is my speculation, I, I think that they were like, well, what else can we do digitally? Which at the time was, was pretty trend-setting. 
what can we do digitally to enhance our coverage of this team? And it was all based on the fact that they didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a marketing budget. They didn't have a promo budget to, to kind of get people thinking and talking about DC United. And if, if, if we go by my recollection, it's okay, well, let's get a guy from DC, DC 101 to be on the podcast. He will then want to promote the podcast and that'll give us some advertising, at least on DC 101. And that'll be something that we can do. So they reached out and asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. I jumped at the chance. Uh, I had been friends or I had been friendly with Kyle for a while through my friendship with Bobby Boswell. And, you know, he, Kyle launched bobbyboswell.com, which again, yes. you know, if we could, if we could just shout out Kyle again, he had a .com for a player in the mid 2000s. And, and one that is still quote, like Bobby Boswell is internet in the back, all the things, all the little elements that the, the Lucho, uh, Luciano Emilio singing in the, singing in the locker room, all the little elements that came through that were the fact that they're still living on in like some of the, you know, obviously like very online DC United community right. that still exists. And it, it's, it's, it's a testament to the idea and the, and the execution. Yeah. And he had the perfect guy to do it in Bobby, who was just up for everything. And, you know, it, basically he was a YouTuber influencer before that was a thing that you could monetize. I'm sure. Bobby's thrilled that he did it before <laughs> he could be monetized for it. So they asked me to do it. I, I eagerly accepted. I, I only had one caveat and it was, look, I know that I'm going to be working on an official DC United podcast. I, I'm not going to obviously shit on DC United. But I'm also, I don't want to be in a situation where we've got to act like everything is hunky-dory when everything may or may not be hunky-dory. I'm not going to criticize the team just to criticize the team, but I also don't think that we should, if we're going to do a podcast, we shouldn't shy away from being clear as to, you know, the form of the club, what the club can and can't do, and, and so on. And, you know, they had to have some conversations, and we went back and forth on it, and they finally said, okay, yeah, we'll we'll give you like a little leeway and we'll see what you do with it. And if you go too far, we'll, we'll have to pull you back in. But yes, within certain reason, we'll give you some, some editorial control over what you talk about. The, I think the great thing about that show at the end of the day was a, the access that we had B the fact that they didn't really censor us as far as editorial stuff, you know, look, we're 10 years out from doing the show. So I can kind of spill the tea all right here. But <laughs> right. Talking about the ownership group was frowned upon, but more so because the ownership group was trying to sell. And so it was a situation where it was like, look, we don't want to hinder the selling of the team process. So if you, it, you know, we can say what we can and can't afford to do, but openly crapping all over the ownership group, we'd prefer you not do. And, you know, so we didn't, we didn't do that, obviously, but having access to the players, being real with the players, making sure that it wasn't a, a DCUnited.com powder puff interview with the players, to me is what set it apart from other team sponsored or team run podcasts. And, and also like the, the editorial content as far as what they would write at the .com. And then I think the other thing is you had, uh, I'll toot my own horn for a second. You had a guy like me who was, a professional broadcaster who was also a, a super passionate fan of the team. And then to me, the key to the whole thing was, was Sebi. Sebi was a guy and is a guy who knows the game inside and out. 
who has a passion for the game, who has a passion for the club. But then the big differentiator was he was also on the road to becoming the broadcaster that he is now. So to have two broadcasters, one of whom could be an X's and O's guy if you if you needed him to be, which is the kind of the default role that he filled, and another broadcaster who was just a super fan wearing the jacket of a broadcaster, to me, that's what set it apart. We could have interesting, engaging, professional-sounding conversations about the club where I'm asking questions because I know the team and I'm not just a guy who's reading off of cue cards, and he's giving answers because he knows tactics and he knows strategy. And then he also knows the players personally and, and Ben personally. So to me, that's what separated it, combined with the fact that it was a DC United-sponsored podcast, combined with behind-the-scenes Kyle Sheldon, and I would be remiss if I went any further without also shouting out Mark McClure, who now works for MLSsoccer.com. Uh, MLSsoccer.com. So right. you, otherwise you'll, otherwise you'll be sending people to buy houses. I think but, yeah, the, to get a house. So, uh, and uh, just real quick on him because he needs so much love because he was the unsung hero of that. Everybody knows Kyle. Everybody loves Kyle. Sebi and I were the faces. Mark McClure did all the stuff that nobody else wanted to do. So I would walk in talking to him and you know, this John, I'd walk in talking to a mic for an hour, get up and say, thank you. And then I would drive back to the station. Somebody has to edit. Somebody has to put the music together. Somebody has to upload it to a, a site. Somebody has to then promote it. Somebody has to write up and get the pictures to go with it. That's all the stuff that I hate, which is the number one reason why Pitch Pass is so inconsistent. I hate all that stuff. I hate promoting myself. So Mark McClure did all of that stuff. And without the, the rapping, it's just guys in a room talking. And you need that rapping, as you know. Yeah, I, I think I think you really hit the nail on the header of what made that show special. I think it really was the dynamic between the two of you guys. And, you know, as a as one of now many DC United podcasts, it feels like there's a lot of us now, and we're all doing this with a, a uh, semi-professional to be charitable, uh, glean and, 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 uh, <laughs> and expertise. It was noticeable to have someone coming in talking who has A, sound the sounds good you guys had perfect like it was a well-produced show and then also sort of just the polish that was there it was it was refreshing because like you said there weren't a lot this, that was a new digital frontier at that time right. and to have the, the show and the team that we cared about be represented there was really cool for for fans at that time I, I and you know may may have may have been an influence for all of the all of the subsequent podcasts that now fill that space and i was just going to say that i hope that we kind of set a bar of hey you know we are literally just broadcasting and, and recording in our basements, but let's not act. Let's not have it sound like we're broadcasting in our basement. I mean, the the fact that you asked me to, and I don't want to get into the sausage making behind the scenes, but the fact that you asked me to do what I did to do this podcast shows, okay, there's a certain level of professionalism that we want to come across. And it's not, we don't want it to sound crappy. If we can make it sound good, we're going to make it sound good. And I hope that, that, well, I know that we set that bar and, and, you podcasts like yourself and, and and other podcasts are jumping over that bar and clearing that bar. If that bar wasn't there. Maybe you think, oh, we could just wing this and it'll be fine. I could just talk on my, my, my AirPods and, and go for right. it. Can't do that. Can't do that. Right. I think another thing people love about, uh, you know, that show and then subsequently on the pitch pass is that you were, you know, you, you said that you took over, was it 2010 was the year that you guys did capital soccer yes. show? So at that time we were, you were talking about sort of like making sure that you could be true about the team and honest about the team. At that time you were coming off of years and years of unprecedented success. Like maybe like a little bit starting to, starting to fade on that. Uh, but from 
you know, I started really getting close to the team around 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you started 2010 up till now, you've had a different ride as a fan and as a broadcaster talking about DC United. And I think anyone who's listened to the show knows that you are honest about how you feel about the team. You've had guests on that, that are honest about what DC United is versus what it was versus what it could be. And I think that's been really uh, enlightening. I think it's it's been a reason why people continue to listen. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, to sort of talk about a little bit of the history of the team, uh, on this show, we've talked about Ben Olsen extensively. Um, I have, you know, I'm not sure if I... I will, I will give myself uh, the, 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 the title of the permanent Ben Defender uh, in, the, in the, at least the current DC United podcast space. Probably the last one to say maybe time for refreshing or change is necessary. It was the last holdout, maybe. Give me your big picture thoughts on the Ben Olsen era of coaching. It was 10 years. It's an era unlikely to be matched again in duration at DC United or really professional sports. It's pretty rare to, to have that sort of run. You, you know how he came in the door, right? I don't. I don't think he was. I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think he was ready for it yet, as far as you know, preparation and times go. But he, the, the man for the hour, he he stepped in and did what he had to do for the club that he loves more than you know anyone probably. T- talk about talk about these ten years and then the highs and lows for you as a fan and broadcaster. It's a lot easier to do now because he's he's not there, and we can now get to the point that I think a lot of people we're already at. I don't think anybody who's a DC United fan hates Ben Olsen. <laughs> like I think even the 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 social or the Twitter people, <laughs> even the hashtag Olsen out people it, on the internet are not. Exactly what I was about to say. Even the yeah. hashtag Olsen out people don't hate Ben Olsen. So it's 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 stunk for the last few years to have to go yeah, I mean <laughs> if you if you said we could ha- we could get a change, I'll take it. But I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to be the one to come out and say it's time. Like I don't want to be that, and I don't think anybody wanted to be that person. So this this time right now for me is like, okay, now I can come out and say there's going to be no better ambassador for the club in its history, and I'm I'm speaking as if DC United will be a club for the next 150 years, and 150 years from now. No one will be remembered from this infancy era of DC United other than Ben Olsen, because he will have been the one that you can go 20, Connie Mack, 25 years, 25 years, 25 years. And so you really can't get around the legacy of Ben Olsen. And so it's great that we can now just celebrate him as a person, as a player, as an ambassador, and as a coach without having to, to preface or tag on the end, but things aren't really going well right now. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really, really just thankful that we can, we, can, we can get to that part of the story because the last few years part of the story was, was really difficult for people who, who know Ben, who know how much he loves DC United, and who know what his legacy is going to be regardless of what happened over the last three, four, five years. None of that mattered. It was always going to be he is the face of DC United. I think I think his being that face also was, I think was a reason for the criticism that he would have gotten. He was emblematic of the highs, the lows, the tradition, the period in between. Uh, you know, the the dead years at RFK, where winning wasn't always the situation, where money wasn't happening, where it was we were waiting for the next thing, and then he was there for 
for to the re, the rebirth uh, of of a new opportunity in a new stadium, some money being spent, just a change in MLS overall. So I think that the frustrations a lot of the times people had with him were obviously bigger than him. Like he obviously was not setting the budget for the team. He obviously was not making decisions about broadcasting agreements or community engagement or any of the things that I think the fans who who were in the know really had their access to grind on. He was just he was the face of it for 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 better or for worse. And a thing I always said too was that he suffered a lot of times in the media and also with some fans because of the way the way his personality what he, that it was so raw like yeah. losing hurt him viscerally and he didn't have the the vocabulary at least from the media perspective to talk in a nuanced way about his tactics to talk to sound like Pep Guardiola to sound like I've got this great plan because everyone knows they they watched him develop he didn't come from a coach we we are his coaching legacy we we are his uh, his training ground so when a new coach comes in and we'll talk about Hernan like you can spit game about how about your tactics and about your great ideas, and it comes off authentically. And then you're like, "Well, I'm going to give this guy leeway, right? Like, this is all I've ever wanted is someone like this." So I feel like Ben had the unfortunate, the Benny Ball thing, for all that it was, uh, was I think sort of a symptom of the fact that he didn't he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt of uh, of the exoticness of of a, of a coach coming from somewhere else that has that experience. So I felt felt bad for him that way. Like that happened. Benny Ball was, I mean, there was a style that was a re, that was being played for a reason, but I think right. the the media around it and sort of the story that it became and that took a life on of its own was had to do with those other things that he maybe couldn't have much control over. I think that's a great point, and I think that's something that look at he he you could make an argument that his development as a coach was stunted by what he was given by the front office. So that when he was given some tools, Rooney and Lucho at the same time, he didn't have the he didn't have the 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 schooling to then go, okay, now we're gonna do this. Because the first seven years of his coaching career, it was we're only taking veterans at the end of the line, we're only taking young players. It's like like he had to come up with something to get you from here to here. And what he came up with was Benny Ball. If for the first seven years of your life, no one is speaking English, and then you go to a school where they're only speaking English, hey, you're going to have problems for a number of X amount of time until you can understand English. And that's why I was, on the one hand, I was glad that he got the time with Rooney and Lucho, but then that also kind of showed it was all right he his his development as a coach has been stunted by what the team has put up, put upon him and i think i really want to underline your 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 sentence about for better or for worse i want to underline the for worse part because and i know this has been touched on in 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 a couple of different circles but i don't think it's been emphasized enough he was the front line when we were complaining about no new sta- no stadium when we were complaining about cheap owners, when we were complaining about the players that we had, he was the first line that people would go. And again, for better or for worse, in my opinion, the ownership group, multiple ones went, well, make Ben say it because he's beloved 
and they're not gonna they're not gonna crucify him as much as they'll crucify us. So Ben, I need you to go out and do some some PR, and I need you to take some hits because you're the you're Ben Olson, the legacy. You're Ben Olson, the ambassador, and we're just some faceless people who won't open the checkbook, and we're playing in a in a dump, beloved dump, beloved a dump of a stadium that we don't really have an answer for yet. So Ben, you go be the face, and I know for a fact behind the scenes. You know, our, our morning show, Elliot in the Morning, is a huge listenership, and it's a big, big morning show on a radio station. All Elliot wanted to talk to when it, when DC United would call him and go, hey, have somebody on. Do you want to have somebody on the show to promote season opener or whatever? Yeah, give me Ben. Because, number one, Ben is one of the coolest guys to talk to because of what you said. He just talks. He's not going to shift in the cliches. He's good, and he's funny. He's engaging. But the other thing is, to Elliot and Elliot in the Morning listeners, they don't really know much about DC United. I know Ben Olsen because he, he's been here since 1997. So give me Ben Olsen. So whereas other clubs would go, here's our fresh new signing. Let's let's have him make the rounds. Oh, our, our fresh new signing is a guy that you've never heard of. And by the way, he doesn't speak English. <laughs> okay, give me Ben Olsen. I want the guy, right. I want the guy that everybody knows, Ben Olsen. And so, and then Ben has to go on all of these shows and answer questions of, Hey, are we opening up the purse strings this? Hey, what's the story? Give me a stadium update. That doesn't have anything to do with any of that stuff, but he's the one who has to answer those questions. And he answered those questions. I'm not making him out like a saint. He was compensated because of, mm -hmm. because he also knew, well, if I'm taking the bullets, you're going to have to give me, I mean, it, there's a reason why he's, he wasn't fired from DC United. And now he's yep. a club ambassador. I took the lumps for 15 years you're going to have to keep paying me and give me a gig after this is all over. But he went out there every time he defended his club. He, and he was passionate about the defense of the club in a lot of situations where there was no defense and he still went out there and did it. And I got to give him credit for that. And that's why I got to underline the, or worse, better or for worse. He was the face of the franchise. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does next. I wouldn't blame him if his ambassadorship is, very low key, and it's 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 sort of at, it's out of the back of his it's out of the back of his uh, art studio, and maybe he'll do some some uh, when events are public again, make some appearances. But I think that he's he could do whatever he wanted. I think, right. like you said, there is there is a cachet that 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 the the bad years or the the downtimes didn't really take away. I think now right. now especially since he's no longer accountable for anything, we can celebrate. He's just, he's just the club. I can't wait to see what he does. I hope he wants to continue to be involved. And I would also love if he went out and decided he wanted to coach somewhere else. I would think that's great too. Whatever he wants to do, I hope that you know he gets that chance. Well, so let's that's let's really let's uh, let's let's spitball it because and also, yes, I would love it if he trotted out there this year so that we could say thank you. Yes, I, if I'm him, I don't do it this year just because of you know let Hernan do his thing. Also, COVID. I want a packed house for Ben Olsen Day. Mm -hmm. uh, so next season, sure. But let's let's spitball. What do you think Ben Olsen does next? I, so somebody, I think on MLS, uh, one of uh, one of the podcasts for the for the league talked about a. I mean, obviously talked about a podcast, but media for him would actually be kind of interesting. It would. I don't know if he'd love it, but he would be eminently watchable. I think if you got him in a situation where he was relaxed, maybe not like t maybe not live TV, but figured out a way to get. And he didn't want to do the coaches show. He actually kind of wanted to avoid those things. But I think that he would be extremely watchable. Uh, and 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 something that the le the team needs, sort of that Great. you know, must watch TV. Like what what how why are we gonna go to the website or watch the YouTube clip if 
Ben is talking about anything or doing something, I feel like that would be a big attraction for them. What do you, what do you think? What do you want to be doing? I agree with that. Um, well, you know, look, as a family man, in the back of my head, I'm like, well, he's got kids who are, you know, getting the tween age. And if I'm, if, if you're thinking strictly family, I'll keep taking this DC United ambassador check while I figure out what I'm going to do next, which is a nice thing to have. Um, but we also know, been written many times, he loves Washington, D.C. He like, yep. like take, take soccer out of it. He loves this. He loves living in this town. So I don't, it, it'd really be difficult to see him leaving the town, not the club. I could see him taking another coaching job, but to sell your house in D.C., to uproot your family and move – so I, I kind of think we're not going to see him for, a, for a, 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 like a couple of years. And then when his kids are a little older, you – but then that's the question. What's his next gig? Is it, is it an assistant coach somewhere? Is it, is it a USL job? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate him coaching Loudoun United, but if you're, the guy, if you're Ben Olsen of DC United, then going and coach Loudoun United – that's that's a that's a pill you've got to swallow. Um, so yeah, to me, I think I think his next step is what you're seeing, which is behind the scenes, be an ambassador, watch his kids grow up, love living in Washington D.C. And in three years or so, okay, let's see what the landscape looks like and see if we can do. It was crazy that he was in the conversation for TFC, yeah. but that also says to me maybe we didn't really give him the proper due on what he was bringing to the, what he could bring to the table. He certainly belongs in any conversation that Chris Armas belongs in. And the fact that Chris Armas landed there makes it totally legitimate as an option. And if it didn't happen, it didn't happen now, but that doesn't mean that I think there, I, there's a value he brings just from his, from, you know, from his coaching legacy, but just from his persona, from his attitude, from the way that he cares himself. There are lots of there are a lot there are lots of worse choices that you could have made. So I think that there's yeah. I think you're right. I do remember talking to him a few months ago, uh, maybe last year. I'm trying to remember when it was now, but talking about the Loudon um, training facility, and I could tell in his voice, he's like, "I'm I don't want to make that commute. I that does not interest me at all." Uh, and it was it made me laugh when Jason Levian was like, "Yeah, he can, he uh, was consulted on the design of the facility." I was like, that is an interesting use of Ben Olsen's expertise uh, in his in his consultantship. Whatever, I mean, if that's the case, if he got to like decide like how big the lunchroom was and what the coach's office looked like, that's great. That's fine. But either way, um, we talked sort of about the the you know the highs and the lows. We talked about how you've been podcasting through most of it and all of it. I think, and you also talked about Ben Olsen on on DC One Hundred One in the morning. I think that was I remember driving to work here and that was the only at the time and really since like that was the max exposure that DC United had in sort of cool right. media. Right. That, that's, that's where it was. Right. What do you think the team and, and does the team, uh, I think they do, I, you know, having a lot more con in the last two years, I've had more contact with this front office and with the folks in the comms team than I have. I used to write about the team. I've done other podcasts. It's, it's much better now. I, I got to just from a personal standpoint, but what do you think the team needs to do uh, to sort of regain that or regain or gain a position in the, in the sports media landscape? And I'm not talking about the the people who are like, you know, I think we should be just as big as the Washington football team and all so that's out of the conversation. We're not, we're, we're not going to compare ourselves to anybody at this point. We're, we're not registering a heartbeat from that perspective. If you look at it that way, how, do, but how does DC get back into at least the conversation 
And if it's not, if they're not competing at the at the big scale, like what what do you see the way forward for them to be relevant in the city to to more than you know their the niche audience that they might be relevant to? I mean, I think the the question, unfortunately, needs to be framed: Do I see a way? Yeah, <laughs> and the charitable framing. I gotta admit. Yeah, and and. Look, it's the way that I would frame the question as well, because I, I want to be optimistic and say, well, if they did this, this, and this, and this, then fine. We can get we can get into this now. And it, this isn't this isn't the question you asked, but this is this totally goes into the answer that needs to be given. The answer is not marketing and promotion. That's not the answer. The answer isn't signing Wayne Rooney because we we just saw that 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 didn't really work as far as to answer your question I don't even think the answer is winning to me the answer for a lot of DC what ails DC United is ownership investment and it doesn't have to be when I say ownership investment I also mean like real passion level investment as well i i think it it's got it's 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 a 360 degree answer like we saw you opened audi field with wayne rooney but you didn't you didn't finish audi field you didn't get the signage right at audi field you didn't it it was to me and i think a lot of people would agree with this they thought we built the stadium. Here's Wayne Rooney. We're done. And that it that's not how it's you can't just say, here are 10 things DC United could do better. And they check off three things and then they look to you like, ta-da. <laughs> but no, you've also got seven more things on the checklist that you still need to 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 cross off. And I think until the ownership group starts thinking that way, there's always going to be a cap on their market equity in DC. We've got we've got we've got challenges. The number one challenge that I don't know if people talk about enough is this is a five sport town. If you look at all of the all of the success stories Really, the only one that you can point to that is that is a that has all of the major sports is LAFC. And if you want to say the Galaxy, that's fine. They're hitting their 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 troubles now. But if you want to just say the LA market, okay, great. But everything else, Atlanta doesn't have all the four major sports. Portland, Seattle, like these Kansas City now, they don't have the 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 pie that you need to cut into to get the piece that you need to be like if i'm in kansas city it's it's the chiefs and sporting and the royals so it's three here it's the football team like i mean you know all the teams so yep it's it's a, it's a small it's a it's a bigger it's a smaller pie to get a the same size piece to be just as successful as sporting kc and so you've got to You've got to show, you've got to build incrementally. And that's why I say it's, it's ownership investment. Are the people who all bought Wayne Rooney jerseys still coming to DC United matches? 
I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think the answer to that question is yes. I know, I know speaking anecdotally, Grant Polson on WJFK was all in on Lucho Acosta. He went to a DC United match to see Wayne Rooney and he walked away going, Wayne Rooney was great, but that little, little Lucho guy, he was incredible. I want to go see him again. Six months later, neither of those players are on the team anymore. So Grant Polson, who does afternoon drive on the sports talk radio station, hasn't talked about soccer since. We need to get those people, and I'm not just talking about Grant, but even like you and I, we go to a match and we bring our buddy who loves the Premier League. We need him to walk out going, look, they lost, but the stadium was awesome. The views were incredible. You want somebody to go with you again? We'll go again. And I, to, and then get that person to go, yeah, I went to a United match. It was good. But to get that person, you need to hang on to your, your players. You need to have an established system. You need to have the stadium finished. You, you, there's just so many things that need to go into getting that person that it's going to take a long time to do. Yeah. Anecdotally, we, we've found that a lot of our listeners came from that Wayne Rooney era. So I, I'm happy. I'm happy he was there if only for that. But I, but overall though, I can definitely see that uh, as you're looking for the casual, the, the, it's gotta be sticky and he wasn't here long enough and they didn't win. They didn't win anything. So the stickiness has probably faded a little bit. And I think two of the big differences, I, I remember how I came into this, uh, you know, I, I, I'm doing a podcast about it now. I've got a freaking tattoo. My kid has all DC United clothes and it didn't happen because they were good. I happened to, I happened to follow them as they weren't very good. Um, it was that the, the thing that distinguished them from my Washington nationals fandom from being a wizards fan is that it felt like, it felt like you were a fan of the punk rock band that nobody knew about. hundred percent. And you were at RFK, you had lot eight, you had, you had the Barra. You had the stadium that was falling apart, but was still cool. It was like the it was the cool place to be. You brought people who weren't soccer fans to that experience, and they there was enough of them enough for them off the field to 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 get them to come back. Even if the, even if they didn't really care about soccer, there was other things other things for them there. And I think what happened was, and this is the natural. I remember I remember it happening at the time. I remember talking about talking to uh, DC United uh, like front office folks about it. It, it evolved from what felt like a family, like a family atmosphere where it was a club and there was the, the deep sense of unity between the, the supporters, the hardcore supporters and the team itself to a business, to a much more conventional sports business. And maybe that had to happen for them to grow. Maybe that we, you, maybe there was a hard cap on how many of those people, you, the, the, the hardcores you could, you could find, but grow particularly to, when you're not winning. But grow to what? I, I don't think they ever, I don't think they got to what they wanted to. I remember talk. I remember sitting talking to Tom Hunt talking about sort of his ideal fan and what, and, and, and I'll never forget ever sitting in the RFK players lounge talking about, you know, the incremental dollars from a Barra supporter who gets his tickets at a discount, who, who, you know, does, and maybe he buys beer, but you know, he's, he's not, he's not who he's not who we can build around. We're not going to get a new stadium on the back of these supporters. That's not where they don't engage year round. They're not, they're not clicking on YouTube. And it was stark. Like, and there was a reason he was running run out on a rail by supporters. I mean, he left for the reason where that, that viewpoint, that cold numbers viewpoint did not work, did not resonate with the people here. And 
and what happened happened. But I do think that maybe what they thought they were going to be, what they were sold, either ownership or, or, or people who are no longer here on the business side, sold as what we could be uh, at the same time as the badge redesign and all that stuff. They, they, they didn't. They didn't become they that. Did. That was not what they – but they wanted to be maybe. And I think you the, – the punk rock analogy is perfect. But the thing is, if you're – if you go into a bar and a punk rock band is playing and the, the, the stage the, – the area around the stage is empty, who gives a fuck? <laughs> right. The, yeah. the, that, and that's why the punk rock analogy is so good. What makes – punk rock so exhilarating and so exciting and gets you so passionate is if if you were on the stage and you looked out it's just a million people going crazy for this punk rock band and that to me is the thing i i i never and i've been a fan since oh three oh two i never waxed poetic about rfk stadium Sure, I I know its place and I I appreciated its place, but what what really solidified my fandom for DC United was the United New England Revs semifinal Eastern Conference semifinal match, which you know for a number of years was considered the greatest match in MLS history. It was a fantastic match, full of a lot of goals. PK saves. It had everything. But the biggest thing it had was the supporters lost their minds through the whole match. And look, Nats fans can come out and go, well, we got excited during the playoffs. Yes, but not in the third inning when it was 0-0 and there was four hits between the two teams. Not at that point. As we get close to the end of the game, we get crazy. Washington football game, football team, same thing. These people stood up and they sang and they cheered and they screamed for the from from before I sat down till as I was walking out. And that is what made me a fan. So for as the move into Audi Field happened and you mentioned all the hunt stuff for them to go, don't care when honestly, for 15 years, you were hanging your hat on best fans in MLS Here's a picture, buy season tickets, nothing about on the field, just fireworks and, and torches in the stands is our picture because we don't have any identifiable players. Buy season tickets for the crowd and the fans for you then to go, they don't matter to us and we're not even gonna consult them for anything and, and we, don't, we don't need them and we want them to kind of, we wanna phase those out. That was, that's when I decided I'm not, I'm not going to be an apologist anymore. I'm going to be somebody who was going to, because at that point I was no longer in with the, the beer throwers, but I know what, I know that they are the heart and the lifeblood of the club more so than the players they are. So when that all happened, it really rubbed me the wrong way. And I will say this, John, if they had said we can't grow until we phase out the supporters group and they got a 25,000 seat stadium built and it looks like Bank of California. It looks like what FC Cincinnati's stadium looks like. It looks like what Austin's, it looks like Allianz Field. If it looked like that and there was 25,000 people and 10,000 of them were luxury box people, uh, but the, the other tickets were sold out. And because we're making money hand over fist, now we're, we, we really are bringing in Mesut Ozul 
to play and run the midfield for us. And we also are bringing in Brenner, a young Brazilian who we're then going to sell for 30 million later on. But the atmosphere was gone, but it's an exciting team. And we've got a great academy system and all of that. If all that stuff happened and we sacrificed the supporters group, yes, I would still be lamenting the loss of the supporters group, but I would be so much happier about the club that I am supporting. But you didn't do that. And you alienated supporters. So now what's the, now what are we saying? Yeah. I, yeah. For what? Right. For is, what? Is, the, is the, is the question. Yeah. I'm from, Philly. I think for who, for what, <laughs> what is what uh, Ricky Waters said? The, you were talking sort of about like, you know, what drew you as the fans and how, and how that game sort of cemented it for you. For me, I liked RFK because it, felt like uh like no parents house like it, you could walk around anywhere you wanted True. you could make a wrong turn and you would go into like a secret room that had stuff from the senators uh like True. Uh, asbestos everywhere i'm sure but i remember specifically a game against the Houston Dynamo where the power went out in RFK and it was raining like a monsoon and there was lightning and they stopped the game and they were like everybody get out of the bowl and the bar were like no no this is cool we're just going to go ins- we're going to go insane and they went insane for 45 minutes the game was postponed canceled they turned off the lights they kept going they didn't stop and i was sitting there in the concourse with my wife i'm like this is since i have to watch this i don't care that it's raining i'm going to watch these guys go insane if they get all get electrocuted i think that a lot of them would say it was worth it this is what we this is how, we'll go out this way if this is how it is we'll go out i i i was i was i was hooked at that point i was like all right this is different I've been to yes. a million baseball games. I've been to, I've been to a whole bunch of this. There's nothing like this. And this is, this is these are my people. Right. So that's, that, <laughs> that, that was something special that, that uh, that's the, the equity that they had built into the team, no matter what. And then they spent it how they spent it. Right. Um, but I, I will say, you know, from a perspective of, of that change going over, I think that there were, there was a very notable misstep with the supporters groups when the new stadium uh, was opened. It was our most listened to podcast series. Our first five episodes were all about the supporters group uh, drama. And I, boy, did they love hearing, they loved hearing podcasts about that drama. As they should, should, yeah. They loved it. It was, it was the best for that, from that perspective. But, you know, it, again, there has the, 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 I think I listened to today to your Sebi interview last year about the fact that you get to know somebody in the office and then there's a new person in the office and you got to get to know that person. So currently the people that we're dealing with now seem to understand a bit about the missteps uh, that have occurred in the last couple of years. There are obviously big areas to improve. I, you know, I don't have to tell you or I don't have to tell a lot of our listeners where they still need to improve a lot of the ways, but like things like they're small, but after hearing for multiple years about a hall of tradition, like, yes, well, we should probably do that. Yep. That doesn't cost anything. We have large swaths of blank uh, concrete that is in in TV view Let's let's use that for that. They did that. Uh, they straightened out for the most part. I think there's still some there's some still hurt feelings about the way ticket allocations go in the supporters group, but it appears that a a, a gentle peace has been achieved. There isn't yeah. there isn't there isn't outright war anymore between the groups. And there's I, a I think good, that's a positive. Well, there's a there's a it feels like there there now is a good faith understanding between the supporters group and the club of we are including everyone now you're always if you're going to get different supporters group they're always going to be squabbles between them that are going to blow back on the team but i feel like at least the supporters group think and and believe that the team now has learned their lesson from what happened and chris hall did a lot of great work bending that fence and and so i feel like now we can start 
moving forward and getting back to having that great relationship between the supporters and the club that we had during the Kyle Sheldon years. Right. And I'm, I'm just that you saying that reminded me of, of times where I would have front office people complain to me about the supporters groups, the fact that they would have closed group meetings with leadership and then the leaders would just leak it all out. They would just put it on Twitter or put it on big soccer, I think was the, was the format at the time where it would come out. And there was no trust. Like it, it was, it was literally, it was literally like, these are our most engaged consumers and, and, and customers. And we really don't like them right now. <laughs> we don't like the any, way that they do their business. Doesn't make any sense. Like if you watch Sunderland till I die, there's, there's an episode every season where first team players, front office and manager have to go to a pub and talk to the supporters groups. That's not just because Sunderland is Sunderland. That happens at every club throughout the world because, again, those hard of hardcore supporters are your lifeblood. When when the 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 Johnny Come Latelys come through with their Wayne Rooney jerseys and pay for their ticket, and then don't come because Wayne Rooney's not on the team anymore, those supporters are still going to be paying for their ticket. You do need to give them a discount because they will be there through thick and thin, and you also need to listen to them when they're speaking up because their opinion matters. It does. It just does. Yep. And, and so all that to say is I think that that's getting better. It's, it's getting it's 100% not, better. I, I, yeah. I, I, I was ready to stop shitting on them, and then I just started shitting on them again. <laughs> no, no. It's getting, it's, a, it's getting so much better, it's not even funny. Um, I think Claudia is doing great work. Um, the, I think that the, the videographers behind the scenes, the, the mic'd up series they're putting out with Ernan is fantastic. Like, I am riveted. And, and I love that it's not just 30 seconds. You're getting like three, four minutes of, of him real. And you can really see them going through practices. That's awesome. Their social media team is so much improved from where it was five years ago. So yeah, total shout out to, to the staff. And I also think, you know, there was a time five years ago with pitch pass. Uh, I know the guys at filibuster, would always say to me, well, how are you getting players on? And I'm like, well, I'm probably getting players on because I'm Roach from DC 101. And they're like, <laughs> all right, we'll make them available for media. But they wouldn't make them the players available to podcasters. You guys have players on all the time now. That wasn't happening five years ago. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I, I actually just I reached out to their social media team today because I saw them cutting up the mic'd up series into like, yet another series of uh of social posts i'm like you guys know you have gold here right that's what this is like you guys <laughs> you guys and, and they're like oh yeah we'll be doing more of this there's a lot more of this to come like i i think i think we know that this is a res this is resonated with the fans like good yeah this is i know we talked about it we did we played a chunk of it on the live show yesterday like this is exactly what the hardcore fans have wanted like we want to know right. we want to be inside practice we want to hear about tactics we want to hear we want to hear the excitement in the voice of the coach yep which is something that you can only see at game time. You don't get to know any other time. But I, I want to transition to what, what 2021 is going to look like. I was going like. to say, you want to talk a little bit about uh, Hernan? Yeah, I, I assume you were like us when Hernan was announced, which is frantically Googling the Belgian League and trying to learn how to Flemishly pronounce things. Uh, <laughs> what's your early read on, you know, obviously we've, no games, but we've, we've, heard, we've heard many interviews now. We've got an opportunity to get a, a feel for what he's about, at least off the field. What, what, what are you, what's your general takeaway so far? I think that my, my, my thought, my timeline of my thoughts is probably similar to most DC United fans. When Ben was let go 
it was like, okay, and we discussed that. We can now talk about him as legacy. But it's exciting now. We're going to get somebody different. It's going to be awesome. And then the first wave of candidates came out, and we were like, ah, really? Like, are we just going to – like, we're turning the page from Ben to Chris Armas? Like, why don't we just keep Ben if we're – like, keep our legacy guy over somebody else's legacy guy? So – like they they did a great job of lowering everybody's excitement for that. So then when you got the second wave, you started hearing about Pineda and I was like, oh, now that could be interesting. And then all that went away. And then it turned into, are we going to have a coach for 2021? And then like, no offense to Chad, but like it really felt to me like Chad's going to keep the interim title for 2021 because we were getting close to the point where I didn't know that would be time to hire somebody. So when Losada's name came up, same deal. Never heard of this guy. Who is he? It was mm, feels like maybe they might be cheaping out again, but he is coming from Europe and you'd probably have to make him a solid offer to get him out of Europe, especially when he's co- coaching in the first division of a, of a, of a major league. So I was cautiously optimistic. Then I started following him on his socials. He's a great Great Instagrammer, and uh, well, that's really all I follow him on. He's a great Instagrammer, and I started getting excited. And they, they, as you said, they struck on a gold mine by miking him up for practices. And obviously, they made him available to everybody, which was also fantastic. So they made we got him first. It was I, got, I saw I, that, I, and I was like, I'm happy to. How the fuck is RFK Refugees getting <laughs> a new coach before? Like, I feel like maybe you got him. Like, your stuff landed before Pablo and Goff's stuff, like it the did. written stuff. And I'm like, wait a second, what's going on here? So it was just a perfectly timed email, I think, is all that was. Good get. That was a great <laughs> yeah. get. So seeing him mic'd up, uh, start hearing him talk about philosophy, hearing him talk about how he wants to play, you can't help but be excited. My kids, youth coaches who are uh, African immigrants who follow the game and obviously are passionate about the game, crap all over MLS all the time. They asked me, hey, this guy, read, read some stuff about him. Seems like he's, he's good. What are your thoughts? Because they know I'm a DC United guy. And my response to them is, is what I'm saying now. Really, he seems like a really promising coach I have an excitement for him. I'm going to continue to go back to my main point. It's all going to come down to will the ownership be invested in making sure that he has every tool that he needs to be a success. And I hope it's not we hire this young coach who is a fan of Belicia and we got him. Because I will tell you, I will tell you for a fact, John, that Anybody who calls Wayne Rooney in Europe who gets a call from DC United and they go, let me text my boy Wayne, see what his thoughts were. It's, it's, it's not going to be a, an endorsement. It's not <laughs> it, like, uh, like we, we, if, if this were on our resume, we would take him off of our, out of our <laughs> references because we don't want that phone call to be made. So if you're going to say, and, and, and I know also one of the reasons was, and this has been said in a couple of different places. One of the reasons was, they signed Wayne Rooney and said, we're done. When the next transfer window opened, Wayne was like, great start. Loved it. We need this and this and this. And the response was, well, we, we signed Wayne Rooney. 
And that's how he went into the next season. And as they were coming up on the next transfer window, the summer transfer window, Rooney went, this is what we need. We need this guy and this guy, and here's some names, and here's who you should call. No, we've got Wayne Rooney. <laughs> and it finally got to the point where Wayne was like, oh, they're not bringing anything reinforcements in. This is, this is just this. And so if they do the same thing to Losada, he doesn't have the juice of Wayne Rooney. He's not going to bring in the tickets of Wayne Rooney. I hope that they, they said to him, Summer, you're going to have this much money to spend. And then after the season, you're going to have this much money to spend. Then next mm -hmm. summer, you'll have this much money to spend. And you and Dave can get together and use the scouting networks and go from there. Because if they don't, all of this excitement that we as DC United have fans have going in with a new coach who seems young and energetic and vibrant and great ideas, it's not going to matter because it's not, again, it's not that Ben failed because of Benny ball. Ben failed because he had to incorporate Benny ball because they didn't give him any other tools and assets other than go, go, go get some results. And if they it's, teach those side of the same way, it's going to be the same result. It, it seems like in the most, in the, in the big season preview piece uh, uh, by golf, it seems like the directive has been tamp down expectations for this year. We are, we're entering the season with a, not a lot of money like many other with like many other franchises, even on a normal year, that's, that's sort of, that's generally been the, you know, we don't have a lot of money to spend, but now we super don't have a lot of money to spend because we've had no fans for a year. Um, Neither the Cincinnati, but they seem to have spent a shit ton of money, but go ahead. They might've saved, they might've saved from the previous year when they had, when their, uh, when their DP was Fernando Adi. And <laughs> they, so I, they may, they may have been putting some, some money away some in the piggy bank, but I think that they've, the, the directive from the fan, from the ownership has been, the tamp down expectations for this year. This year is about trying to get value out of the roster we have. And I think it's undeniable that if you look at 2020, they're the entire, almost the entire team underperformed to their, to their historical, their career, their career record. So if you can just get, get at career average years out of most of the players that were on your roster last year, you're, you're in the last spot of the playoffs probably. Yeah. I think that that's fair. And, 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 and a forward that scores goals, which as of last year, we did not have. We'll see. Yes. I, I think I think that they have made it. Hopefully, you know, it made it somewhat clear. Like this is this is the this is the maintenance year, and then next year is spend. Let's go. Then then we're going to give him what he wants and let him enact his vision. And I think you're right. The fan base has to hold the team to that. So particularly now that the team is going to have fans in the stadium, very few of them, but some fans in the stadium opening day, and I assume much more. You know, twenty percent, fifty percent, one hundred percent as the year goes. That excuse will go away. So when we enter the, when we enter the summer window, uh, they will at least have had as much money that they would get from Gate. Um, but John, and, yeah, we're DC United fans. How many times have we been told, "Not yet, because," and it's to the point now where I have to lower my expectations 50% and then hope that they make the hundred percent of the 50% that I lowered it down <laughs> to. But I, I then also like, I I'm really frustrated about giving them pats on the back for not hitting the marks that other people are make are hitting. And I, I just want there to not be excuses of why things didn't happen. And the thing that I always tweet about, and if you follow me on Twitter, at pitch pass, why is the roof not done? 
Like, stop telling me, well, it's a seven figure. Well, it's a, the roof should have been done. But if you want to talk about on field stuff, okay, let's talk about 2021, but I'll use it. I'll use something that happened in the past as a jump off point. If this were our club and it is our club. And if, if this were our situation that we are, we are on the lower end of the, the wealth factor for our club, which we are. Why are we not incorporating some sort of Philadelphia Union type, mo type model where we are going all in on the youth, selling at the right time, filling our coffers, dumping it back into the youth, and making, making money that way? Why did we only get a million dollars from Chris for Chris Durkin when Philadelphia got $12 million for Brendan Aronson and Mark McKenzie. That's the past. If you're telling me, guys, or our supporters, guys and gals, we don't have the money because of COVID. You got to give us the pass this season. Hernan, you will get, you are, we got you next year. You're done. We, you know, you're already guaranteed for next year. We just need to, we need to recover from COVID. Okay. I better see huge helpings of Paredes. I yep. better see huge helpings of Griffin Yao. And I better see a good helping of Moses Nyman. I say that because his position seems to be more stacked than other positions. And also he is a year younger than them. So yep. I'm not so as concerned about maximizing my value on him this year. But if you're saying you got to give us a mulligan for this year because of what's going on, then can, can we see what Kevin Paredes can bring to the table? And if you get an offer for $5 million for Kevin Paredes because he balled out this year during your transition year and you want to sell him, I'm going to applaud you and yep. say great work finding some value in a season that you said is going to be kind of a transition year. That's, that's what I don't get, and that's why I have trouble giving them passes. I'll give you the mulligan, but what are you doing with the mulligan? Or are you just going – Oh, they accepted our mulligan. Fine. Talk to you in 2022. No, what can you get out of this year? And that's what I would love to see. That's that's extremely fair. And I think too, that question has been put to him a couple of times about what is your what is your feelings about the youth in this team? Mm -hmm. This is where the promise is. What you know, what is your expectations for pulling them forward? And it sounds you know, it's all talk right now until the games actually start. I think the fact that he is Tamping down expectations about team performance means that he has more leeway to play those players in games that matter and give them the minutes that they need. Last year, Paredes came out of – Paredes was not under consideration of uh, of getting major game time before injuries happened last year. And then they did, and he was, one, he was one of the more promising performers on the entire team for the whole season. So repeat that. Give me more Griffin Yao. Moses Nyman, like you said, obviously in a bit more of a, a log jam situation. But if you can get him down to loud and more good right. – Just minutes. Minutes for a 16-year-old kid is, are good. I think you're right. If, if that doesn't happen, if we're in exactly the same spot we are next year, except for now we need to buy more players, then we are in trouble. And But I think that most fans have that expectation. What you just said is what most fans uh, I've been basically told is going to happen and are expecting to happen. So if it doesn't happen, we if this if, if this fan base can do one thing, it's be negative on the internet. <laughs> and we're going to give it to them come next year. If that's, 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 that's how it feels anyway. Did you renew your season tickets for this year? What's your status on? Uh, John, I didn't have to. I didn't go to any games. I had two games. Oh, some people dropped out. Some people wanted a refund. Right, did you roll over? No, I definitely rolled over. All right. So look, I'll, I'll tell you, I have 
the best seats in Audi Field. Actually, I have the second best seats in Audi Field. So I am right across from the the baller seats. So I don't I don't pay the baller prices. That's why mines are better than the ballers. Mm-hmm. So I don't pay the baller prices, but I'm in the rows that are only four and two long. I was in one of those. Those are great. Those are great. So like yeah. I literally have like so I have the two seats and then I look down on the uh the what do you call that the not the the other side of where the players are that little area where the where the ballers mingle like the box the the field the eagle bank the yeah, yeah that the yeah. field level the, suites so it's it's my seat uh, a fence and then I look over eagle bank but there's a little area where there's nothing it's like a, a triangular shaped like piece slab of concrete so like if it's raining and it stops raining i could take my poncho off and put it next to me because there's no seat there and i don't have to disturb 70 people as i walk because i'm sitting in the middle of those long rows which is how most of the stadium is set up so i say all this not to show that i'm a baller because i'm not i just really wanted those spots when the when they opened up but i don't want to give up those seats and so there's not a bad seat at Audi Field. It's a beautiful view, sight lines for, for soccer. But I don't want to give up those seats. So I'm going to keep them going. And I, so I would definitely roll them over. So, yes, I did renew my season tickets. And I will renew them next year as well. I, I will never say, I'm done with this team. I'm not going right. to. I would never be that person. So unlike Se- I believe Se- uh, Sebi famously – on your podcast, I think said that he was no longer renewed. He, 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 no he washes right? hands. Yeah, I won't do that either. I, I'm, I'm. They, this is. I've always been say this. Like they know that there are a good number of their fans who are so pot committed, right? That they're just gonna, they're just gonna keep going. They're just. And I'm. That's me. We had to give up our season tickets. We had. We were, we were pregnant with our with our child. Now she's here. So I'm. You know, maybe not this year, but next You're year. Get back I, in, aren't you? I've got to get back in, and I'm never going to give them up after that because right. now, now there's no more big uh, epochal life changes that I have to, yeah, to you're adjust done. for. It's perfect. It's perfect. And I look, I um, I I, I sold my wife on them uh, with you know Wayne Rooney's coming, so the resale value is going to be incredible. <laughs> well, it, it was classic. I definitely classic had. faux pas from the DC United fan base resale. <laughs> definitely had to eat those tickets when I couldn't mm-hmm. make it. What do you uh? So if we could talk just a little formation. I don't know what your time limit is, but like I'm. I, you know, as much as I've just crammed all over the, the, the ownership group, still love the, I still think the front office is doing great work. And I obviously have nothing but respect for the players. And I, I, every time a player signs, I just go, really? Like you could have signed in a lot of MLS teams that had baller training grounds and whatever. And you signed here. And I, I always like Yamil Assad, I don't know why he would come back because it was like, this kind of sucks. But he came back, so there must be something going on in that locker room that is still saying, "Look, we're 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 not getting all the 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 sporting KC stuff like in the training ground." But I like playing on this team, which is says a lot about the character of the team that they put together. But every year, I, I talk myself into going, "You know what? There's talent. The there's talent at every <laughs> like like. Tell me, and, and this is a legit question. Yes, I know somebody's got to bang in the goals. But tell me what on this team you would go, nah, I, I don't think that that's going to do it. It's really, for me, the depth. It feels like it, that has been the problem for, I mean, the fact that they have 
oftentimes every single year left available roster spots unfilled. Makes no sense. (laughs) Makes no sense. And invariably there is an injury crisis and then they end up having to just, you know, pull someone from the stands basically and throw them on the bench to, to have, to have enough subs. So I think that that's, that's one problem. I think forward is the real big black hole question mark. Ola Kamara had the confidence drained out of his soul last year. And it was evident whenever you watched him play, he was upset about service. He didn't trust himself to finish. He would have one opportunity. He would scuff it. And that was it. He was useless for the rest of the game. Uh, and and that problem has not been addressed. I don't, nope. you know, get, get me a 17 year old from Bolivia who scores goals for his national. That's fine. Or Venezuela. That's okay. You, I would prefer you sign someone that uh, you instantly have a selection problem. Right. Not, Right now, Ola Kamara is your number nine. He's starting every game. Right. So that is that problem has not been solved, and I don't think will be. Uh, it doesn't it does not appear to be in the window that that's going to be something that's solved. So that's that's a big one. And then it's just thinking about depth and center back. The injuries that happened already with Burnbaum out for two to three months that hurts. That hurts. That hurts badly. If you're if you're telling me that the the backup plan and you still want to play three in the back, the backup plan is that uh, the 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 draft pick you just signed might get games. Don't like that. Don't think I don't think that's great. Bill Hamid being hurt is a bummer. It looks like he probably won't miss as much time. Chris Seitz is a is a perfectly capable Bottom backup. Yep. Yeah. But the midfield, the talent, the the amount of talent in the midfield cannot be argued. You've got you've got almost a selection problem there with you've got a number of when Felipe gets healthy, you've got a number of great starting defensive midfielders that should could start every game. No problem. Correct. Uh Wingers, you're you're deep there. Paul's gonna come back. I'm I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure Paul yeah. will be back in May. I think so too. But even look, if you've got if you're rolling out Julian and Paul, your wingbacks. I don't know how many people were playing wingbacks in MLS, but I'll put those two up against anybody in yep. the league. And you can tell me that that backing them up, you've got depth in Paredes and I don't know where they're going to have Griffin where he's going to end up but you've got real depth in that wing back, back position Joseph Moore uh as a as a wing back I'm 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 good enough with but yep. that that that's a position that you're going to need depth and I like the depth that they have so you're right the midfield and if if you can play uh Flores as your second striker you could have a situation where you've got Yamil Assad coming off the bench which I would be totally fine with like that yep. Like two and to your point, too often you would go, you look at the lineup and you'd go, okay, starting 11, this is a team that can do business. What if they go down a goal and you look to the <laughs> bench and you're like, all right, I mean, what are they going to, they're going to bring in O'Neill Fisher. Like what's, the, what's that going to do to get me a goal back? Nothing against yep. O'Neill Fisher. Great guy. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. I, I love everything I see, except who's banging in your goals for you. I think that's a great way to go for full circle too. I remember, for two years, the meta was like, why isn't Ben making any subs? Why aren't the subs happening? And then you go back and you look at the dudes in the bench. You're like, for what? <laughs> Who is scared of any of these players? To, to do Just so there's different guys out there? Is that why you want subs? And, you know, a lot of times there'd be talk. And we talked about on this show a lot is that oftentimes it felt like there was not a plan B. If the tactics, I think the Columbus game is the best example. The playoff game. Where where Rooney and Acosta were they were they put distance in between them they they made it so that they could not be near each other to connect and there was not like a oh, okay we'll change formation and do this and and we we knew that that could happen but if you have a if you have no depth and the players on the bench are not put Scary, there with an in, with a plan in mind right what are you gonna do right so hopefully 
with the with the nine thousand midfielders that we have, there's an opportunity there to say, all right, we're gonna have a plan A and a plan B, no matter what, with the amount of players that we have here and the skill sets that they bring, uh, and then we can we can adjust on the fly. And Hernan is his is you know his rep- reputation of a tactician says that he should be able to do that. So and that's I, that's a that's a decent expectation as for from a fan's And I think that's that's look, you could ding Ben for a lot of stuff. To me, the problem last year but was the problem for years past. It was weird. The problem in years past with Ben was they'd always give up a goal in like the first 15 minutes and you're like, yes. we're already down. So to your point about the game plan, that goes out the window. The problem last year with United was they would start off and you're like, whoa, what's gotten into them? 15 minutes in, we're now packing it in and hanging on for dear life, home or away. And it was like, well, the game plan obviously was good, but whatever for whatever reason, you couldn't sustain it. And that was... And and then whether they scored in that first 15 minutes or not, if they did, it was hopefully they can hang on for that lead. But if they didn't, it was like, hopefully you hang on to nil nil. And then it was, if they didn't score and the other team scored, all right, we'll see you next time. So that goes away. The team looked amazing for that 15, 20 minute press. And that was that there were like the tactics, the tactics were you need to press hell for leather for the first 20 minutes, trap them in their half, get a turnover, maybe score a goal. And then, Inevitably, the plan would say, "All right, well, now we're going to go more defensive. We didn't get our goal. Yeah. Now we're just going to play back." Now we're Obviously, I don't think that team had the legs to do that for ninety minutes. If they did, they probably would not be playing for DC United. They'd be playing <laughs> elsewhere if they could had that lung capacity. Uh, but clearly, that when when that part of the game was happening, we looked dangerous. Like, right. but the rest of the game, it was it was exactly like you say. It was all right. How can we hold on to this lead, or how can we make sure that nobody scores any goals? And that that's right. that is that is negative soccer to watch. And I don't think we're going to get that. I think based on every single thing he said, I want to lose games. Five, I want to win games five to four. One one zero wins are not what I'm about. Mm-hmm. Okay, well yeah. let's do it. If we're gonna if we're gonna do if any outcome's gonna happen, let's do that. Do one. Let's have the mo- let's yep. have more goals. Let's see what happens. We'll we'll solve if it's defense. We'll solve that later. I'm sure we can figure that part out. Goal scoring has been our problem. Let's right. do that now. And the the last thing I'll say is, look, you, you you expect bounce backs from from Julian Gressel, especially being in the position that he is, which is his his natural position now. Uh, you expect Yamil Assad to have shaken off that rust and to be the player that he was at the end of the last of the season, by the way, he was, he was a really good player at the end of, of the season. So he had shaken it off. So you expect that development to me, it's all going to come down to Flores. If, if he is the DP that he was brought in to be, this team will be fine because he will provide Kamara with service, which will then get his confidence level up, which will then put him in form. If he's what he was last year, they're not going to go very, very far with even with everything. It's all for me. It all comes down to him. And I've been very heartened. I'm a big Ajax fan. Uh, Edson Alvarez, the Mexican international who, who Ajax got last year was really, really bad. And I've talked to Sebi about it and he doesn't like to hear it because he's Mexican. And and I was like, this guy sucks. Um, And it turned out, his wife or his girlfriend and his kid couldn't get into the Netherlands because, stuff matters. because of COVID. They got in right before November. He's been the best player on the team consistently since then for Ajax. So you look at what Flores went through last year. He came to a new country. It got shut down with COVID. His grandfather died. He, he broke a, his face. He broke his face. He was adjusting to a new league, like anything that could have gone wrong. And we just think to ourselves, DP signing, go be a DP. 
And the Alvarez situation really showed me these guys are people and off the field stuff matters. And off the field for Edison Flores was horrific in 2020. If you just even include the stuff that we went through, which was horrific. And then he had other stuff going on included in that. So you'd think now, okay, take a breath, get healthy, mourn the loss of your family member, get whoever you need into the country, have a full preseason. Let's go forward now. And that's the other thing. He got injured in preseason last year. So he never was really got to speed and then they shut it down. So I want to give him a mulligan because <laughs> yep. United asked me for mulligans. I want to <laughs> give him a mulligan for last year, but if he's not, if it's the same as last year, let's just, this whole conversation was, was useless. If he is playoff team and maybe, maybe even higher expectations than that. I think that empathy though is a good, is a good place to be when you, when you're, when you're a fan, when you're an, an analyst, when you're looking at sort of the holistic view of the player, it's important to, to know that stuff. Like you said, a situation I ask, all that stuff matters. Uh, if you're if you're miserable at home, you're not going to play well. And uh, the the only problem for DC United is that when they invest, when they break their own transfer fee for a player in in an important offensive position, and he doesn't perform, the team is going to sputter. Yep. They don't have that's a huge that's a huge miss. It's like it reminds me of the Gallardo miss for their first DP. Right. That didn't work. That was a clanger. But the problem is that that set the team back for multiple years. Hundred yeah, uh, percent. Yep. A team can't manage, team can't handle that sort of thing. Nope. So I want, I, I, I remember that I solicited some questions. I want to run through these real quick. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll be fast this. too. So go ahead. Uh, at dribble pass wants your latest thoughts on the DC. Oh, this is not a quick question. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, dribble pass wants your latest thoughts on the DC United Academy and how it fits in the DMV youth soccer scene. That is not a quick react question. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not. Um, I'll try to be as, as quick as or brief as I possibly can. I've, uh, I've covered this in my podcast um, pitch pass with uh, Charles Bohm. We also, I also talked about it with uh, Andrew Dykstra, a former keeper who now coaches uh, for a club in Prince William County. Look, DC United has a, this is not going to come as a shock to people who just follow the, the first team. DC United has a branding problem and a lot of it for, for, for as far as the youth is concerned is the, is the pay to play, which They've done away with, but I'm not going to pat you on the back for your press announcement saying that you've made it free for everybody when literally you are the Lex to the last team to do it. I'm not going to give you credit for it. It's a, it's an about time for it. And so it's going to take a while for them to build. I mean, Dykstra said on our podcast, when DC United is at a tournament, they're just another team. When the Philadelphia union are at the tournament, we go, uh-oh, not so much because Philadelphia Union is so much better than DC United, their youth teams are concerned. It's though when the union arrive and you have a player that pops, the union, not in the DMV because of the territorial rights, but if you're in Florida at a tournament, the union can come up to you afterwards and go, can provide you room, board, education and soccer will be the number one thing they're mr steal your girl basically they, you're saying exactly a... and they, they can't do it here in the dmv because of territorial rights but somewhere else they could send you an email and you can say oh, you know what i can send my kid to the philadelphia union school so and then like to me the other problem is i'm not fully sold on the pathway to pro 
program. And if very, very briefly, if you're not familiar with that, DC United has signed kind of share agreements with a handful of clubs in the DMV. Most of the kids pre U15 play for those clubs. And then when, when DC United wants to enter a tournament in a, for a U14 team, they all just come together. They get their DC United jerseys and put on the uniform and play as DC United. But I don't know how that helps you incorporate a system as you move up the chain when you're pulling a kid from Player Progression Academy and a kid from Arlington Soccer Club and you're putting them on a team together and they practice a couple of times, but they're also on these other teams. So to me, it's vitally important for DC United to get their academy system up running smoothly and in a way that because you see even with the crappy system that they have in place they've churned out some really quality players i will say to me it's a red flag that we are now coming up on our third or fourth kid who has made it to professional soccer and has decided i don't want to play for dc united and we just saw with michael edward they got money for him they got money for Eric Williamson. But why don't these guys want to play for DC United? That's a red flag. And I don't have an answer. And I'm not saying that they're, it's a negative thing. But to me, it hits me wrong when I explain all the other stuff that I explain. And then I see kids not wanting to play for DC United. We need to get a system in place where starting at the U12 level, it's a consistent, this is how we play going up through the academy to the to Loudon and to the first team. And it's got to be all under the umbrella of DC United, not subcontracting out other clubs to do our other local clubs to do our work for us. So I hope that was short enough. It's it's Aramark making the Jose Andres burger. It's, it's exactly uh, what it is. It's exactly what it is. Well, I, th- I think one thing that can change things is, is a Griffin is a Griffin Yao and Kevin Paredes transfer to show that sort of the Academy and DC United are a conduit to greater things. The only thing they can do, I mean, I think that obviously at the cat, the Academy level, the things you're talking about are, are changes that can be made now. But as far as like, what, if I'm a local kid, how do I know? And I have aspirations and I'm a high performer. How do I know that I don't get stuck? How do I know that I get, I'm in the shop window when I'm playing in, uh, in loud in DC. And the answer is to play those kids as much as possible. And, and if they get an, if you get a bona fide offer, you take it. And I think, DC, I think DC United needs to do that on a number of levels. We saw it with Lucho, we saw it to a lesser extent because they did get money for Durkin, but we, we, it, and you could see them doing it with, with Paul, you, these, these kids, these players, this is not the end of the line. Miguel Amarone is the, is the thing come to DC United. We're going to sell you. Not come to DC United, play out your contract, and then you leave for free. That can't happen at DC United. And then the, so then the other thing I would say to you is my, what I would like to see, the timeline is Kevin Paredes gets minutes. Kevin Paredes balls out. Kevin Paredes excites us. At the end of the 2022 season, when Kevin Paredes is 19 years old, he is sold for $6 million to a club. That's not the end, though. Because to me, that's great. The next thing I want to see after Kevin Paredes, specifically these this group of kids, are sold. As soon as that happens, DC United announces they'll begin work on a building for education, uh, a school for for the kids. Because that is what like I don't want to see six million dollars going in Jason Levian's pocket, going and him going. There's a return on my investment. 
I just made six million dollars. Take three or sign Otsol or sign or assign a short term player that's not going to have a resale value. Exactly. And I keep I'll go back to the thing that I always saw when when DC United bought Lucho Acosta from Boca Juniors, five hundred thousand dollars of that transfer fee went to the club that Lucho played for before Boca Juniors. And they tweeted out a picture. And the picture was, this is our new locker room. We remodeled our locker room because Boca Juniors sold our player, Lucho Acosta, to MLS Team DC United. That's what needs to happen. $3 million of the $6 million transfer fee of Kevin Paredes' sale needs to go back into the youth to number one, invested them, and number two, to to the to the bigger point, to let the next Kevin Paredes know, oh, if I ball out for DC United, they're not just going to hold me over a barrel and make me make ninety seven thousand dollars for the next four years and pick up my team option every year because they can. No, it's it can also now I can be in Europe too. Yeah, I think owners should be looking at FC Dallas turning uh, players that uh, have uh, like one hundred and fifty minutes into five million dollar transfer fees and say. Oh, we should definitely do that. And we do you, need to do all of this. And do you? Th- but do you think the DC United ownership group is thinking that, or the are the or or are they more excited that there are cranes all around Audi Field right now building high rises? I don't know because it should I don't be have an both. answer. It should be both. Yeah, you it should, should be. It should be. And because I'm, I'm not saying, hey, a high rise around Audi Field, you shouldn't care about that. You should because that's money coming in. But you should yeah. also equally care about FC Dallas making double digit millions dollars this off season. That's just as exciting. If I'm an investor, as you got cranes going up around your stadium. Yep. I think the, I think the first time we see a decent United player sold, a young player sold for that kind of money, I bet it will become more interesting. Yes. I bet, I bet that, I bet that will be the, the baptism, right? Uh, at very magic wants to know who you think DC United's leading scorer is going to be this year, <laughs> which is an interesting question. And do you think it will be a forward? Well, it's funny because as I was thinking, I was like, well, you know, if Ariola was there all season, it'd be him. And, but he won't be. So look, if I, if I, if I still say it's Paul, that's a bad sign, right? It is. (laughs) It is. Uh, Leading score, leading score. If it's not Ola, there's a problem. Yeah. Because I don't think it's going to be Ola. I don't think it's going to be Ola either. (laughs) But if, if it's not, it's a problem because it's look, they had to bring in another forward in the summer transfer window, which means Ola wasn't doing what he needed to do, which means it's a problem. Yep. Uh, if he's not the leading scorer and they didn't bring in a, a forward, it's a problem because they so look, who else would it be? Uh, to me, Flores is a provider. Uh, I could say Yamil Assad, but I don't think he's going to get enough minutes. Like, I'm just thinking about people with goal scoring mentality on the team. Yeah, I think it's Yamil. I think I have heard enough from Ernan that he rates Yamil very, very highly. I asked him. Did you see the end of the season last year where Yamil was playing as an eight right. and was bossing and it was doing and he was playing the best he did all season? He's like, I did see that. We are not going to do that. Yamil is a winger. He beats players. He cuts to the goal and he creates dangerous opportunities. So that told me that a he values the the knowledge he had from the past and he's going to lean on that probably heavy this year and that Yamil's not going to be uh, on the periphery. So I think that you know I, I you're right if it's not Ola it's a problem and I think it's going to be a problem and I think he'll be replaced in the summer if I'm if I had to bet but I think Yamil's going to get enough opportunities and he has the man will shoot. Like he he, right. he would shoot with an opportunity last year. Right. So look, I mean where do you see him playing though? 
I don't, I don't know. I don't. I think it depends so much on how he wants to throw players out with the the center back situation. Right. right now. I think we probably go with the four man back line. I think he plays on the left side. I think it's possible. Okay. If he and plays, that's a, if 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 Losada has wingers, I think that you you put you go to. Well, it's not it's not legal in Maryland, so I can't do the uh, bet. But <laughs> I, you would put. I'd put the bet on on Yamil as well. But I just don't know that that's going to be the system. And if it's not, and if it's two wing backs. Where does Yamil play? Because Flores is if not if not in the middle spot, right? Exactly. He's taking that second striker spot, so it's not available, and he's not a number nine. So I love the Yamil shout out. I I said it before you said it as a could it be because it's just who who shoots and it's it's Yamil. But so I'll say I have to say Ola, but really, I think it's going to be Ariola, which is a problem. But I think that my get my I'll guess Ariola. He could still get six or seven goals coming back in May. Exactly. I think, and I don't, I don't know if six. Or seven. That's not probably not enough. It's no, not, it's, it's probably not, not enough. It's not enough, but it might put him in the running. <laughs> it might. It's better than own goal being the leading scorer, though. True. So we've got that. Uh, Angus wants to know, sort of a, a off DC United question. Angus wants to know about your craziest memory. Craziest. That's a that's a, a with at DC one hundred and one, and it's in the in your years there. Something that sticks out as as a oh my god, as a crazy oh, story. Um, probably too many, right? Yeah. Definitely too many. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two things are in my head, and I, I know there's something crazier that happened, but the, these are I, – I'll give one. Seeing Metallica in Iceland on the station dime was was pretty awesome. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. That was a really good one. Um, I'm going to say – I'm going to say uh, Elliot in the Morning Kegs and Eggs. Those were – and it's funny. We're recording this right around St. Patrick's Day. And so um, – this was we would go to a place and we would drink starting at a.m. and major bands would come and play and people would just come and and drink. And it it was it was pretty insane. And to the point I, when I was working at night, so I was working seven to midnight, I would I would get up and I would go and I'd just be blown away that there's many people could just go drink on a weekday <laughs> at eight o'clock in the morning. And so, like, I I definitely got really, really, really drunk, metroed, and went back to my apartment, which was across the street from the radio station, and was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep this off a little bit. And I got a call from John Ballard, who was working afternoons at that point, and he was like, hey, man, what's going on? And I'm like, nothing, just, uh, just catching a little shut-eye before my show starts at 7. And he goes, all right, cool. Hey, heads up, it's 7.05. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so he was kind enough to sit there and man the controls while I shook off the cobwebs and did that show hungover at 7 p.m., Oof. which was crazy. So, yeah, that's probably the craziest member that I can think of at, at this moment. I think that's I think that's fair. I think there, there's there's a there's an alchemy and magic of morning radio and alcohol. I yes. think the sports sports junkies, their shows they're, they're, they're drinking their alcohol morning. shows are legendary. It's the best. Yep the best yep. if i i don't i don't I commute anymore so i don't have a chance to listen to them but if the, those shows when i hear they're coming i will definitely turn a computer on and listen you get all the real um it's too good uh last question yeah. uh from reddit user slip and skeet uh wants to know what you think of the marble jerseys and if you have already gotten one i love the name uh this is not a dc united problem by the way Oh, this is a Adidas MLS uh, problem I think we're going to get into. This here. is an Adidas problem. The marble jerseys are really cool. 
if I were standing three feet away from the person wearing the marble. <laughs> because if I'm not, and you know this, John, when we watch them on our HD feed on News Channel 8 later this summer. <laughs> That's another problem too, isn't it? <laughs> we need a better TV deal. But uh, when we watch them on in HD, air quotes, on in News Channel 8, I will not know that they're marble. They will be white jerseys. And I like the fact that the, the shorts are a little darker. However, it's a white jersey. It's the same white jersey that RSL just trotted out. It's the same white jersey that – it's the same white jersey. It's better than the last one, though, isn't it? It's better than the Hanes t-shirt, right? That was literally just a white jersey. So That was offensively <laughs> offensively So plain. bad. So, I don't know. I, let me volley that back to you. Do I own it? I un- I of course I uh, if I showed you my closet, if I turned the camera and took it upstairs and showed you my closet, you would say, "Yeah, he probably owns it." So you're gonna uh, get the white, the marble. Uh, see, I, I have it. The one. You already bought the marble. Did you? Do I have it. I have you a, do it. I have a. Did you get? I have a Kevin the, uh, Paredes authentic one in oh, my closet. I thought you were. Di- I was gonna ask if you did it to get Felipe's signed version because that's what. No, that was somebody else. Uh, that was somebody else did that. And afterwards, I was like, "Man, that was I should have done that. That Good was idea. that was dumb on my part." But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a sucker. It's been the way I looked at it is right now. If you were to tell me, uh, Ted and I have been waiting. Ted, my co-host, have been waiting for is the 25 year Mitchell and Ness connection last Ooh. Mitchell and Ness collection last year. We were like, we'll I was like, just take the credit card. We're gonna buy right. all of this in our size. Right. Like, and but that's not the thing. Like, wouldn't you? My question was going to be, would you? Would you? Would you like it if MLS was more like the European countries where they've got the you got your all black. And you do variations on that. And then the alternate jersey is something completely different. Doesn't have to be beholden to this color scheme. Whatever you want to do every season. Would would you would you want that? Or would you want the more traditional? Like, like I love like for me, if if I were the LA Galaxy, I would have their their primary kit. And then I would have that thing that they trotted out this year. Every so year good. is my away kit. And they have the it's same so good. thing every year. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it is beautiful. Uh, to answer your question, uh, yesterday I was wearing my teal and pink Swansea City Paul Ariola jersey that I just bought. <laughs> you love jerseys. And, and if you could look over my, it's 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 been the benefit of not having to wear a suit for the last year right. is that I've been able to turn back into my like eighteen year old fashion self, which means <laughs> not good things. But if you could see over my shoulder, I've got the red DC United jersey signed and mounted. Nice. That was. That was a great jersey. Great like jersey. that was something that was sort of a curveball for them. I guess it didn't sell well or whatever. But like, I, I would prefer the more options and the more difference, the better. Particularly by people who have a disease like me or Donald Wine, who buys every jersey known to man. <laughs> we they know for us like they could just mark it down. That's two sales uh, done. Uh, count them. I, so I, I I'm, I'm all for that. I think that there's uh, the more that they step away from just like whatever the factory fanatics t-shirts right and uh and designs that they make for them from the league which by i could do a whole show on how yeah, i think that's, that's a good. that's a disaster uh but i think the, the more that they create and the more sort of niche stuff that they do for the not necessarily the rooney jersey buying that they're just gonna get that one thing but the people who are uh, compulsive completists about dc united gear i think that that you know they get more money out of they people get like more me. money and I think it's and i looked at the other and the last thing i'll say about the uniforms the is Pablo spoiled me. I, I want those. I want those cherry blossom kits. And you could go with your white shorts with that. I'll be fine yeah. if you want white shorts there. If they did a cherry blossom kit, I would lose my mind. 
And I, I, I feel like you'd see that next to the uh, the FBI T-shirts. Yeah, on you're right. Constitution Avenue at the little pop-up tchotchke merch stands because it's cherry blossoms and it's DC. I feel like there must have been a warehouse of those red jerseys unsold somewhere that have scarred them for life for like <laughs> taking a risk. There has to be something. It's Adidas. You're right. It is a lot of it to do with Adidas and right. using templates, but good lord, yes. like take a take a risk and be rewarded. I I promise you that. Particularly coming out of a year in which no one bought, no one spent money on tickets. Right. They may have rolled them over. Like I've got DC United I got capital money. I got to money unload, to burn, but I will not yes. be to answer the question. I will not be buying the marble jersey. Okay. As, well, I, as protest. Slip and skeet. I I I, I bought one. <laughs> I bought one for Roach, so it's worth at least somebody in this podcast has spent the one hundred and fifty dollars to get the authentic. Uh, wow. The Paul Ariola jersey was eighty dollars shipped from Wales. Why was so, it? Why so, was the Kevin Perez authentic so expensive? I do not know the answer to that. If you if you could tell me why the authentic personalization was and everything was that I I don't know I just I don't know if Kevin I, I, I blacked out family got the one fifty authentic. Yeah, I blacked out. I had my credit card. I blacked out, and then it was in in my mailbox. I don't know what to, I don't awesome. know what happened. Anyway. Roach, thank you so much for for joining the show. I think I I think we had a we had a really nice conversation about the highs and lows of being a DC United fan and being someone that has to talk about them on a semi-regular basis. Speaking of talking about them on a semi-regular basis, uh, what's the what's the plan for Pitch Blast this uh this season? Well, I want to do it. Um I had, you know, since everybody's now standing on my corner of of having players, it <laughs> it, it makes my makes my my podcast a little less unique. But I, I, it's definitely something that I, we, it will be coming back, and I do want to launch it. You know, the thing is, and I don't know if you guys struggle with this, I want to do a weekly show, but I don't want it just to be weekly interviews with players. But there's only so many experts that you can have on and in rotation where you don't want to, you don't want to burn those guys out on on talking about United. But to me, those conversations are more fascinating than the other ones. I think I found a really nice little groove last year in just you know what i want to talk about the academy and then finding somebody that will just talk to me about the academy for an hour or you know what i just want to talk about the stadium and then finding somebody to do that and and then mixing in sebi and pablo and all those great great people who follow and can talk expertly on dc united so pitch pass will be back just trying to find something that that it really is engages me and makes me really energized to do it because I, uh, you know, not to stroke anybody's ego, but I think all, all you guys, all the podcasts that I'm listening to do a really good job. And so I don't want to just jump in every, every other month and kind of do what you guys are doing. So that's kind of my challenge and that's what I'm thinking about, but it's, I'm, I'm still very passionate as you could tell, listening to this episode about the team. And I still want to be able to talk and vent and, and, work through my issues with loving this team that sometimes doesn't love me back. So pitch pass will be back. We just got to find out the form in the right place to do it. So I would tell you to subscribe to pitch pass, but I have a feeling if you're listening to us, <laughs> there's a very strong likelihood that you've got more than one DC United podcast in whatever app you're using. Yep. But in case that's not true, make sure you do that. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a can't miss whenever it does drop. It's, it's can't miss. And you gotta, uh, you've got to really appreciate sort of what, uh, what Greg has been able to do all these years and sort of being one of the OGs of, of the DC United podcast space. So thank you for joining us. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a break. 
uh, and we'll be right back. Wait a second. You've a... got a second segment after doing an hour and a half with me. Oh my it's gonna, God. We, yeah, we're, we like to punish. We like to punish our listeners on the second episode of the week. This is an endurance. This is an endurance test for all of you, all, uh, right. all of you RFK refugees listeners. So thank you, Roach. We'll be right back after this break. Woo, folks, that was a that was a long one. Uh, thank you so much for sticking around. If you uh, you stuck around towards the end, uh, just so you know, you can find us uh, rfurefugees.com, uh, twitter.com slash rfurefugees. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash rfurefugees. Uh, we are also going to be having a lot eight virtual tailgate. Uh, this is something we've we've talked about doing for a while, and we're we're getting together. We're still in the the COVID times. Uh, so if you can't join, you're not one of the lucky 2,000 people or 1,800 people who gets to go to the match. Uh, you should you should join us. And you know what? If you're going anyway, hey, pop in those uh, pop in that Zoom uh, that download that Zoom app. Uh, click the link and download it. And, hey, we'd love to have some people who are actually like at the stadium. I think that would be kind of yeah. cool. I imagine with only 2,000 people in the stadium that the the service will be fine. So you could probably stream 4K <laughs> video and join us. Exactly. Uh, so rfgrefugees.com slash tailgate is where you can find the info on how to sign up for that. Uh, we're hopeful this is going to be uh, maybe something we start doing for, for these big matches. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, John, you got anything you want to you wanna drop? Thanks again to King CJ for joining us, for, uh, for Greg Roach for joining us. Uh, make sure that you watch uh, CJ in the the final, which I believe is this weekend. Yes, the final. He will be in the EMLS Cup final. Uh, that is slated to begin March twentieth at three p.m. Eastern time. You can watch it on the uh, e- just search EMLS on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. They have and M- as well as MLSsoccer.com, and then also March twenty first on the three p.m. If he makes it that far, uh, you might get to see him face off against his brother if his brother happens to win his first match uh, against Godfather in the LA Galaxy. So uh, that would be a nice little treat to to definitely check out. So head over to Twitch. Um, make sure you're subscribed to our page first, and then you know what? I think <laughs> if we think of it, we'll make sure to host uh, host the EMLS final. So all of our five uh, Twitch channel followers will get an opportunity to see that. <laughs> Instead of what I think I have right now rolling as like the non uh, the the feed is not live video is just Jared Jeffrey making a face uh, on a loop. So I think that we'll we will make sure to <laughs> we will we will uh, actually put on something John, real that you want to watch. John did that just to annoy I, absolutely. me. That absolutely, that, that was pure 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 ability to annoy. That was Dad. all spite. That, that was all Jared Jeffrey related <laughs> spite. But anyway, yes, and also thank you to Greg Roach. Make sure you're subscribed to Pitch Pass. I said it on the interview. There's no chance that you subscribe to us and don't subscribe to Pitch Pass. But if you're some sort of weirdo, uh, make sure you do that as well. Uh, and you know, I guess listen to the radio. I don't know how else I would <laughs> listen to DC 101. And hey, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some people who are new. You never know. You get some new listeners. That's what I said. If you're some kind of weirdo, you can you could download to both. And if you're, if somehow I don't know how you would get the other way around, but uh, we'd help. We'd love his listeners too. So if you're listening to this just because you saw Roach was on it. Yeah. You know, throw us a sub. Let's 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 have Absolutely. a go both ways. All right, with that, we will see you guys next Monday for our normal live show and uh, we will catch you guys next week. Vamos.